glorified. Amen. Now this morning, we, we're in a season of, of rain. And uh, definitely in Cape Town, there will be winter. But uh, also, yeah, as the winter approaches, we get some winter rain coming in. And that's glorious, isn't it? It also sets in a new other season. Uh, for some of the guys might be more excited about that. Is it's hunting season. Yeah? Oh. Uh, Dirk's gone to the, to the kids' church, but uh, yeah, it's hunting season. So it means we can go gather and get food for our families. That's why we have to go hunt. It's, <laughs> no, it's all about just providing for our families. God's given, given us hunter-gatherers. And uh, it's, that, it's that thing that God's put in men that still want to go out and go hunt for our families. And it's wonderful. It's a, it is a privilege that we, that we can do that. But part of hunting is, is shooting with a gun. And I think that's the part that excites us more. It's that noise. It's that it's, it's loud. It's just a guy thing, you know. It's like you can think that you don't like hunting, guys. Like some of you might. It's like I wouldn't like it. But I'm telling you, if you get a big gun and you're walking around with that thing, something in you would switch on. It's just like this big gun and it shoots a bullet and it makes a loud noise and you smell it. It's just, it's, it is exciting to shoot guns. So, but a gun is useless unless you can hit the target. You, you have to hit the thing that you want to shoot at. So it'll, a loud noise and the feeling of a gun and everything, but it's only useful if you can hit the target. And uh, shooting a gun, there's there's quite a science behind it. So if you, the old guns that they used to build, they, they put a sight on the gun because it's got a barrel and then later on they started putting loaded bullets into guns. Let's start with rifles maybe. Um, and um, a rifle What's the difference between a, like just a normal gun and a rifle? Who knows that? No, Benjamin knows. A rifle is called a rifle because there's rifling inside of the um, barrel of the gun. Now, so rifling actually is a pattern that they cut into the barrel of the gun, like a, like a spiral pattern, which when the bullet runs through it, it it's put spin on the, on the bullet. And then the bullet, because it's spinning, this is science, guys, then the centrifugal force makes the bullet stay on target. If it's not spinning, it'll veer off into a, in a, into a direction. But because, the, because the, the barrel has got little grooves in it that's spiraling, it puts a spin on that, barrel, on that bullet, and the bullet goes where the barrel is pointing. So all you have to do is you have to point the barrel in the right direction, and then the rifle we make sure that the bullet hits it. So they put sights on it later on so that you can aim the barrel better with a sight. But I don't know if you've shot with a gun with only a sight on it. It's pretty hard to line that sight up. It's a little, little piece of metal in the front there and then two little things here and you line them up. But how high must it be in that thing and, and when is it going to hit that point? It, it's pretty pretty hard to to shoot the target with just a sight so 
time progressed and guys found out that the scope is really a great thing for a, for a, for a rifle to put on it. So scope is like a magnifying glass, you know, what a, and you can see the target closer through that scope. So even if it's far, it, it brings it closer, but it's got crosshairs in it. And if you put the crosshairs correctly on your target, then you, you hit it. And it's made it, made it easier to shoot more accurately further with the scope. Right. So my brother-in-law and I had a problem at his house with lots of uh, flying rats, also known as pigeons. <laughs> that causes great damage. To, to properties in, in Durbanville, actually. And he bought himself an air, air rifle, and he put a nice scope on it. And then from there on, when we had a braai, we would shoot pigeons. So the girls used to run away. <laughs> and, um, and at first, we, we actually the first couple of times, we, we hit quite a lot of pigeons. And then we stopped, started missing them. And we tried and we, we tuned the, 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 the scope and we would shoot and then we'd shoot one or two birds and then again, we'd, we'd start missing them. And I have an old air gun and it's actually got sights. It doesn't have a telescope on it or a scope on it. And I brought that one day and I started hitting birds without the scope. More than he did with his scope. And he's got this expensive little thing. And that was weird, and I took the thing to a guy in, 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 in the Melpos congregation, Mike Fitt, and he's quite an expert, good hunter, and, uh, uh, and he, then, he, he then started looking at it, and he, he said, listen, the scope is the wrong scope for an air rifle. It's a very good scope for a normal gun, a normal rifle, but the, the air rifle is actually breaking the inside of the scope, and... Every time you shoot with it, because the action of the thing is in the other direction, it's throwing it off. So the first time you've tuned it and you shoot at something, the next time it's off. So here's the terrible thing of a scope that's out. You can put the crosshairs of the scope exactly where you want to shoot, but your barrel is not aligned with the scope anymore. So when you pull the trigger, you don't hit the, the mark. Although you did everything. You aimed right. Your breathing was right. Your technique was right. Everything was right. You were stable and you didn't move the, the rifle in the shot. But your scope was misaligned. And where you thought you were aiming, you didn't hit. So, this morning, you know that God has called us to hit the, the target with our lives. God's got a specific target for us to hit. And sin in the Bible is described as missing the target. Not just missing the target, because we could make the mistake of thinking the target is like, you know, that round target with the bullseye in the middle. Sin isn't missing the target. Sin is missing the bullseye. If you score it, there's a hundred and then it goes to ten. Ten is sin. It's not missing the thing completely that's sin. Sin is not getting a hundred. So God's got a perfect plan for our lives, and missing it is what sin is. So we try, and we start right sometimes, and then 
like that, like that rifle, that air rifle of my, my brother-in-law, you, you, you could tune it right, and then it goes off target. It shifts. The sight shifts. So you continually have to bring it back and bring it back. So in the Bible, we see in Revelation that there's letters written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Now, these churches um, were planted by the apostles themselves. Like the guys that walked the earth with Jesus planted those churches. Paul, that wrote half the New Testament, planted and personally met with those guys, taught into those churches. How amazing must that have been? Peter, Paul, John, those guys. You met them in person, right? Yet, about 40, 50 years into the lifetime of those churches, they get sent letters from John, the apostle. And it, it says John, the apostle, sent the letters, but Jesus wrote those. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus appeared to John and said, write these letters to them. So this is Jesus speaking to the church. And what he says is quite chilling. He says, you've, you've lost your first love. That's the language. You'll, if you don't repent, your lampstand will be taken away. It, it says, you, you, you're sinning. You, you're listening to people that are preaching false doctrine. It says, you've fallen into sexual immorality. It says, there's a danger that you might not persevere. Those are the, the letters. It's very few. Out of the seven, is one that's really commended and not being reprimanded or being said that you need to change. Out of seven churches. So what happened? They were on target. They're the guys that's in Ephesians and Corinthians. Those letters were sent to them. And, then, and, and they were in Acts. They're the church that we... Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's the pattern that we are building on. But they had already, 40 years later, shifted off that pattern. So can we shift? If they shifted, I'm telling you, we shift. I think it's continual. There's no point in your life where you can go, I don't need to adjust. Then you're going to be off target. So we continuously have to hear God's spirit for us to stay on target. So, you know that, so in a sense, for me, it's that equipment that gets tuned in is salvation. So first, we don't even, we're not even in it. We didn't even know that we were supposed to have a direction in life. And then God breaks into our life and he makes us alive. We were dead. We didn't know. And God brings life and you become sensitive and in a sense, You've upgraded. Now you have a scope. You, you are unable, but now you're able. So how does this work? Well, there's the law. We could follow that. But last week we spoke about that, that Israel failed for 1,500 years to follow the law. Will you want to try? <laughs> Not without the Holy Spirit. So God, God says this in Romans 6 verse 14, it says, sin shall not be your master or have dominion over you, right? Shall not be your master, shouldn't rule over you anymore because you are not under the law, but under grace, right? So sin, 
So grace is not that thing where you can sin and that's just okay. And God will continually forgive sin after sin. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit to sin no longer. And it says sin is no longer your master. So you don't, it's not the law that we're following. It's, it's actually, it becomes a value of our heart. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So the language of the Bible is this. It says we have died with Christ. Right? So I've died. And now I'm alive for God. Dead to sin. Live for the light. Not under the law. But under grace. That's the language before it says you are. It says you, you've dead, you're dead to the previous lifestyle. So... How will we make this work? Well, first of all, you're called to be his disciple. So we heard that coming out during worship. It's like, you are called to be changed. First, you need to change. So, I want that to sink in this morning. That there's a requirement for us to change. That what you like now is you, you're going to have to shift. You can't just go on in the path that you have. You actually have to make the changes, shifts. What you were like at work on Friday, you shouldn't be like at work on Monday. You should walk into the week tomorrow different than when you entered the weekend. And on Tuesday, you should be different to Monday. Because it's not just church services that can shift you. That's too slow. You need God every day. For you to stay on target, you can't just be tuned in every Sunday and every Wednesday maybe. It's every day. It's every moment thing that we need to tune into God and God's spirit needs to align you all the time. Bring you back. But you're called to be his disciples. How would the world know that we as disciples? The way we love one another. That's going to be there. These are, this is Christianity 101. But people should look at us and we should be different. And if we're not that, if people don't experience that walking through these doors on a Sunday or into our homes on a Wednesday or into our office at work, then we need to shift. And it means that we are not where we should be. And it's important that we and you sitting there in the chair listening to me should think, what should I shift? Because I'm telling you, there's no one, not one of us here that can say I don't have to shift something. In, in every, it's like as I was preparing this, God was shifting stuff in my heart. Like this thing you need to, that thing is like, it's just a minefield in my life. <laughs> it's, not, it's like, God, just one thing, please. <laughs> and God is gentle, like he said this morning. He doesn't throw us with the whole thing. He does shift us gradually. But if we don't make that gradual shift, then we stay where we are. So you might think God's tweaking a small thing in your life. But he wants to keep on tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. And get you somewhere different. So, get time. My life, I didn't plan to be 
an elder in a church and lead a congregation in Oatswaran. That wasn't my plan. I had other plans. <laughs> but here I am. Why? Because I've continually shifted into God's plan. I am in God's plan. I know that. Like people will go like, are you okay in Oatswaran? I am ecstatic in Oatswaran. I am. Why? Because I'm in God's will. There is no better place to be than in God's will. Right now, me, my family, we are in God's will. My kids, away from the beach, away from the ocean, away from their friends. And they go, we don't want to go back to Cape Town. We want to stay here. This is God's will. And I'm like, I don't know if staying in Otsuran is God's will for you. It's for you, Nathan, for now. <laughs> but I don't know. You have to find God's will for you. Where is it? Where's God's will for you? Doing what is God's will for each one of you this morning? So, how would we know what God's will is? Romans, just there, Romans 12 verse 2. Let's just get some scripture on that. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see that, that what God's saying. He's saying, you need to change. Actually, if you read that, read that scripture, it says you will change anyway. You either be conformed or transformed. Which one do you choose? There is no staying as you are. You're either going to be more and more shaped like the world wants to shape you, or you're going to be transformed miraculously into what God has for you. So, God has a plan for you. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's got good works that he's planned ahead of time. He's planned them for you step by step. If you do this, that, that'll be good for you and you'll change. If you do this, this will take you somewhere. If you do this, and, and he'll move you into the plan that he has for you. So it says, God says that. He says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. I know what it is. It's a good plan. It's good to know that, that it's a good plan. You know, the devil has a plan for you. There's several plans for your life. God's got one. The devil's got another one. It says the devil walks around like a lion seeking to devour you. That's his plan. His plan is to destroy your life. He has a meticulously worked out plan that he continually tweaks just for you. To destroy you, step by step. He had a plan like that for my life. Like, as a child, his plan for me started with destroying my parents' marriage. Great plan of the devil. And he succeeded. My dad wasn't following God's plan in his life. That destroyed my parents' marriage. That was part of the devil's plan for my life. Threw me off course. There I went. I went from having a plan that was godly and God given as a little child to having no plan of my own other than fun and danger. And you would say there was no plan. It was a great plan of the devil. It was leading straight to destruction. I still have problems with my knees because of that plan. <laughs> I still have problems with my shoulder because of that plan. And the part that I walked into that plan. 
Because he, he was just starting with my knee, my shoulder. He was going to take my whole life and destroy it. God had another plan. And I know that I'm partly walking in God's plan now. I know he's got other plans in future. But right now, I know I'm in God. It's a great feeling, guys, to know. God's plan wasn't my plan, though. Even after I got saved, it wasn't my plan. My plan, after I got saved, after I met my beautiful wife, Liesl, was she's an optometrist. She's going to start a whole chain of optometry practices. Like, she's got it. She's got the charisma. You know that. She's got the smile. People will come back for, and they'll, they'll pay lots of money for expensive glasses and frames because she smiled. Great plan. She was a great optom. She was. She helped people. That's the thing. Is she's marketable because she's genuine. <laughs> she really wants to help people see better and, and find the best solution for them. That's a great service to have. That was the one part of the plan. I was climbing the corporate ladder. So I found that I had a brain when I stopped drinking. <laughs> yeah. Drugs would do that to you guys, kids. You would think you have no brain. <laughs> That's the devil's plan. He wants you to be insecure. It's like, I can't do this. Or overconfident. Nobody can stop me. I read a quote. Now, recently, it says, if you, what was that quote? It says, like, if you are determined to help yourself, no one can stop you. That's nonsense. <laughs> it's nonsense. Actually, you know what? If you're determined to help others and follow God's plan in your life, no one can stop God. So, yeah. So my plan was that. That was our plan. Build houses. Develop. Make lots of money. Climb the corporate ladder. And we were well on our way. We were. And then we joined a little church called Josh Jen. And God started throwing water on my plans. <laughs> and shifting and shaping. And, and instead of going on that big holiday that uh, we planned, we actually got in a, in a car with Michael was six weeks old, and we got in a car and drove to Bloemfontein to listen to Dudley Daniels preach in winter. <laughs> and Bloemfontein is really uncomfortable. So, but that shaped our lives. I'm telling you, I would not be standing here if we didn't go to Bloemfontein when Michael was six weeks old. I didn't know God had this plan. I just knew that the next thing was to go and listen to that. To hear. To... I can't even remember what Dudley Daniel said then. He was talking about apostolic and things. I was, had no idea. It was new to the whole concept. But it shaped something in me. It moved me a little. And meeting after meeting, taking my children, letting them sleep in the, on the ground and cement, building a building... Well, and then you start sacrificing your plans for God's plans. Is it a sacrifice? Yes, it is. God is calling us to sacrifice. 
And that is that, you know, that is that scope on the rifle. Tuning into what God wanted it to be. So that when the trigger is pulled, it hits the mark. It's tuning my plan to God's plan for me. So there isn't my plan and that's okay. And there's the devil's plan and that's bad. And there's God's plan and that would be, well, that's God's plan. Actually, there's God's plan and there's not God's plan. And the only way that this is working out well for me and for you this morning is if we find God's plan for us and you tune that scope of your life into the barrel of the direction of your life and you align that and you continually align that and you hit the mark that God has for you. How would you do that? Well, quickly three things. How would you do it? How do we put this into practice? Firstly, God gave us his word. Right? So I'm assuming that we all have his Holy Spirit. Right? In a while, I'll actually give us all a chance to make sure that we do. But we, with the Holy Spirit, we read God's word. And we align ourselves to his word. God's word is good for correction, for rebuking, for, for, for training. Yes? That's what he says. So it's word. He gave us his word. We can dig into the Bible daily. Daily. One day missed out of God's word in your life is not being on target. You need to set this into your schedule in the morning in the afternoon in the at night somewhere during a day put it in your diary put it in your daily plan make it a habit it says like if you if you read about jesus's life it says and jesus went to pray like it was his habit to do jesus spent time with his father like it was his habit to do like he always did you read it from the apostles as well. Like you, if you read Paul coming into a town, then it says he, he went on the Sabbath to where the Jews always met. You see that, that there's a set pattern of hearing God, seeking his face and, and, and hearing him. And God says, like, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Why not? We need this to realign, bring back, shape, change. God's word. It's a very important part. Then, the next thing is God gave us gifts. What an amazing thing. That goes with the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit works into us and he gives us gifts. That's each other. He gave us me, you. He gave you, me. And he gave me, you. And the person next to you and in front of you in the back. There is none of you sitting here today that is not important to the rest. God made you a gift to the rest of us. That's, like we cannot do it without you fully. We are part of the same body. Each part needs to do its bit for us to do what God has. For us to be on target, we need everyone. Otherwise, we'll be like the seven churches. 
will shift. And you go, but we're not in sexual sin. We're not in, we're not listening to false prophets. We not wait for it. They didn't start there. <laughs> and then we are not. Because when Paul writes the letter to, to the church, he says, there are even some of you that do this, that, and the next. He's not saying everybody. He's saying there's one person in the church that's doing that. You know that that drags the whole body into the same thing. Every single one of us here this morning, if we, if we lose focus, we actually lose focus for all of us. It's a big thing. So, God's, God's gifts. Ephesians 4.12, right? That's where the movement 4.12 gets its name. God gave gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. I'm not the whole gift. I carry some of it. Like, I'm so mercy-hearted that the world will go to ruins around me and I won't care. Really, that is me. Ask my kids. Very little mercy in me. That's that's who I am. That's gift, yeah. <laughs> but it is. That's me, right? I've I shift. God has shifted me. I'm I'm more mercy hearted than I used to be. Definitely. My plan for my life was to become a sniper and kill people. True story. <laughs> that was my plan early on, before I was saved, right? Okay, so you, you, you get that picture of how far God has moved me to be, to be a pastoral gift to the church, to say I care so much for people that I would lay down my life for them, Right? That's, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's fantastic what God is. That's how far he's moved me from where I was going and following the devil's plan for my life to what God's plan was for me. Almost polar opposite, isn't it? But God adds Helian to me and to us. And he says, well, she's mercy-hearted. But Elaine on her own, she'll give everything away. <laughs> she would. She'd give everything that, that she has to, to the poor. Right? Amanda. Amanda's sick at the moment. But Amanda, Brendan's Amanda. Uh, she, she, the same thing. You know that there's a story that one day she gave their TV away. He was still watching a rugby game and there's... It's like, where's it? No, no, they don't have a TV, so I gave them this our TV. They didn't have two; they had one, <laughs> right? And it was like, what? <laughs> Can I finish my game? <laughs> Mercy-hearted. It's a beautiful gift. We need it, but it also needs to be balanced by the rest of us. Otherwise, Brendan will never have a TV. <laughs> Between Elian and and, and, and Amanda, you'd all have to walk to church. You won't have cars left if we give everything into there. <laughs> really, they will. They are that gifted. 
<laughs> and it is a true gift. So God gave us each other. He gave us gifts. To hear the Holy Spirit. This morning we had people coming and hearing the Holy Spirit. That's a gift. It's a gift to all of us. Deirdre coming, hearing, streaming, hearing. It's like, I don't know if I even dream. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Deirdre remembers. God, the Holy Spirit reminds her of a dream that he showed her for us. It's a gift, guys, to us. You, each one of you, a gift to us. Song, worship, leading us this morning in worship. That was amazing. Leading us in worship this morning. Huh? Linda? It's like, I didn't know Linda could sing that well. Did you know that? Huh? Yeah, some of you did. Yeah, some of the worship guides have known that. Hidden talent. That's amazing. Leading us in, in this morning into so much of God this morning. We, gifts to us. You are a gift. What gift are you? If you're not walking in it, that we don't have. We've, we'll lose our focus. We can only be sharply focused and, and correctly aimed along the, the plan that God has for us as a church. If all of the gifts operate the way you should. What is it that you this morning should be doing f- with the rest of us? And then, here's a challenging one. God gives us leaders. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, the language of the, the Bible is very difficult for us sometimes to hear. When Jesus came, that was the problem that the, that the Pharisees and, and the rulers had with Jesus. Is that he said some controversial things that were in the Bible, but they didn't want to hear it anymore. So, the, the, the Bible speaks of words like devotion. Devoted to the teachings of the apostles, of the gift, right? Devoted. It means that I purpose myself only for that. Are you ready for that? Has God shifted you far enough to be that? We, we had a gathering in George recently. And Brad Verena came in and brought the direction for, for the church. Right? He's an apostolic voice, gift to us. I think about 40, 45 of us went. I've, I've got about 80, 90 names on the list somewhere. That's half of us went. Only half of us got focused according to devotion to the, Holy, to the, to the apostles. And then of the 45, it's like, did I listen? And did I adjust? Did I? I'm asking me, not you. Did I? Did I hear him, what he said? And did I find the stuff that he said that I'm not aligned with? And am I willing to shift who I am into that? Are you willing to move towns, cities, jobs, not going that holiday? Spend your money that you earned. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. But are you willing to purpose that to God's kingdom and to his plan for your life? Jana is going. She's going to the Netherlands on an outreach. That's a command, guys, from God. He says, go to the nations. 
Go and seek and find the lost and make disciples. We first have to be disciples. So we have to love one another. We have to live that. We have to be the gifts to one another. We have to do all of that, yeah. And then we have to go elsewhere and show people that. It's, it's crucially important that we do that too. That we, that we follow that command of God. Right? She's going. In a sense, we are going. Thank you, Yana. <laughs> but in a sense, we are going. Because she does represent us. She's taking with her us. She can go there and say where I come from. And you'll see that when you're there. You're going to refer to where this is what we do there. It's like this is where this is, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to want to know what is the church like in Oatsworn? And she's going to bring a direction and a shift in the church in the Netherlands by going. Form relationships with Christians on the other side of the equator that'll take the kingdom forward there. She's carrying something of us with her. So if you can't go right now, give her five rand. Give her ten rand. Give her a hundred rand. Give her a thousand rand if you can. She wants to go there and be a blessing to the people. She'd like to buy somebody a coffee and sit down with them and chat to them about Jesus. Right? Coffee there, about, what, 150 rand a shot in Europe. Yeah, one to twenty. For every for every twenty rand that you take, you get one euro. Yeah, so she she needs it really. She's paying for her own ticket, pay for her own visa, taking the time out in her life, going. You can help that. So she didn't ask me to do this. Really. And if you want to give to Yona, you can bring it to me. I'll make sure that it goes to her. And I'll actually get a bank account and, and send it to you guys so you can give money straight into She's She's already spent money. So don't worry about her not spending the money in the right place. Her airplane ticket was 24,000 rand. She's a teacher. Just changed jobs because God moved her. Why Why are you in Oatsworth? Because God moved you. Wasn't her plan for her life, but God's been moving you. <laughs> Sorry for putting you on the spot. <laughs> but this morning, so the difficult part, and I'm veering away from it. One minute. Follow your leaders. How did. I get to where I am because Andrew said so. I had a conversation with somebody recently and in leadership and they said, oh, how do we know when to listen straight to what Andrew is saying we should do and when, when do I make my own decision? And I said to him, for me it's quite difficult because where I'm now is if Andrew asks me, Andrew Silly asks me to run through a thorn bush and jump over a razor blade fence. I'll just be running. Will it hurt? Yes. But I'll be running. I'm going for it. If I run fast enough, maybe I can run through it quick. <laughs> There's a wall. Run through it. I'll go. 
Maybe I don't think I can run through it, but I'll try. God is calling us to that level of obedience to leadership. A good leader won't ask you to run through a thorn bush unnecessarily. He's, better, he's going to have a good reason to ask you if it's a good leader. Do you see how important it is to join the right church? Has God added you to this church? Because he, if he has, he's actually made me your leader. And this morning if I say God has called us to go to the nations, we can't just send Yona. <laughs> You're going to have to go, how can I go? Where's my opportunity? What do I need to sacrifice, beat into shape so that I can go? How do I focus my life according to what God has for it to be shaped into and focused into? Those are difficult questions, guys. If this is not challenging you, you're not listening. <laughs> this, is, this is huge. It is, it's huge. You have a plan for your life, and I'm telling you, it should be shaped into God's plan. It should, it should work out differently to what you think. That's big. This is, this is building houses, not building houses. Owning that second, third car or not doing it. Going to that trip with our kids or not going. I am calling you to follow me, but only as far as I follow Christ. Where you see me not following Christ, come correct me. <laughs> Please do. Because maybe I'm not seeing it. And I, I'm not the answer. I'm not the full gift. We are the gift. We are the full gift together. So just to put it, it's very important. That, let me ground this in a word. It says in Hebrews 13 verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So look at the outcome of their lives. That's quite an important part of it. Remember the words of your leaders and the words of God that they have spoken to you. Not just anything. You don't have to follow Formula One because I'm following it. <laughs> Although you, you could, it's fun. <laughs> You don't have to go jump out of planes when we do that as a family. Yeah. Look at my wife. She's going, I'm not following you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am planning that. <laughs> you don't have to go jump out of a plane. You could come along. I'll tell you when we go. It could be fun, though. Don't come if you have a heart condition. Please don't. <laughs> But when the stuff that I, I say that is God's word, that actually there is a requirement that you have to remember those words that I speak. And that Andrew Silly speaks, and that Monet van Avold speaks, and that Brad speaks, that we devote ourselves to what the apostles teach. For 12 conferences coming up, guys strongly consider making huge sacrifices in your life to go. I can't put it stronger than that. If I had to put it stronger than that, I'd say like sell stuff and go, you know. 
<laughs> but I'm saying, really, it's that, that is what devotion to the apostolic teaching would look like, is if 100% of Otsur and congregation sits in a block together. 100%, all of us. It'll shape your life. It'll change your life. You will be different. Just the act of going will change you already. So, another one. Hebrews, just a little bit further. 10 verses later. Hebrews 13 verse 17. This is stronger. I just remember the words. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they watch of your souls as those who must give an account. To this end, allow them to lead with joy and not with grief. For that would be not to no advantage to you. And speaking of me standing here, there's no small task. I'm telling you, I, I am severely challenged by that. It says, watch over your souls. Your names are all on my computer. <laughs> and I pray for you. You're all on your community leaders' computers and notebooks. And they pray for you. On the deacons. On all the leaders. I'm not the only leader here. And we watch over each other's souls. Like men that will give an account. So it means when I die, I'm going to stand in front of God and he's going to say, what was your, how did you watch over Joni's soul? Nika, Jody. How did you watch over those people's souls that I added to Josh and Otsur and congregation? God will ask me for an account. Like pluses and minuses. Does this add up? Did you do what I tasked you to do? That's me. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. That's very strong language. I wouldn't say that myself. I'm reading it from the scripture order. <laughs> it's strong language, guys. It says, Andrew Silly says, and we do it. Andrew said, he says, run through the wall. And we, we put on our running shoes and we go. Maybe we think we can't do it, but we're going to try. David stood in the middle of a battle and said, oh, the water of the well of Nazareth, huh? Bethlehem, Bethlehem. I long for that. Three guys go off at night, break through the ranks of the enemy, risk their lives, go fetch water for David. Brings it back to the king. He's not even the king yet. He's just fighting against the king, actually. Brings it back to him and says, you said that you long for the water of the well that was occupied by the enemy. We brought you some. That is following. That is sacrificial obedience following no matter what. You know what David does? He's a great leader. I hope all our leaders, I hope I could be like him. He goes, I can't drink this. 
we are going to sacrifice this to God because you risked your lives for this, and that's not right. I want to honor your sacrifice of risking your life, but it can't be for me. It's got to be for the king. It's got to be for God. We're pouring out this water on God's soil. Because I'm not worthy of your lives and your sacrifice. A good leader doesn't require that. I shouldn't require that. If David knew they were going to go, I don't think he would have said it. But he shows us what good leadership does look like. He shows us that, no, 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 no. Can't, can't go beyond what the Holy Spirit wants. So, I am committed to seeing you guys find and walk in everything that God has for you. That's what I want for you. And I know that the leaders with me, Bernard, Thomas, the community leaders, the deacons, the, where are the deacons? Jean, Shanae. I know, I know that they carry that in their hearts too. Are you willing? The decks. <laughs> Are you willing to be changed in where you're aiming at? It's a big question this morning. Are you willing for God to, through leaders, through his word, through the gifts among us, to actually change where you are pointing at? Because if you don't, you'll miss the mark. If the scope does not move. Like my brother-in-law's scope on his rifle. It was broken. It couldn't move. So no amount of turning on that thing eventually could get the crosshairs back so that if you aim where it's aiming, it would hit. Obedience is when God tweaks our lives that we actually shift. It might mean for some of us to not be in the career that we thought they would be in. James is not doing what he thought he was going to do. <laughs> but he's following God. I know he is. It might be that. It might be that far. It might be not that far off. It might be, yes, you should be a doctor. Yes, you should be running hard in state hospital or wherever. It might be that. But even in that place, God's going to move something, shift something. Where do I want you to be there where you are? I'm committed to finding that with you. And I know your, your community leader wants to pray with you into that. But will you be committed to God's plan for your life? So I'm going to ask this morning that... If you want to commit yourself to God's plan, not my plan, <laughs> I want you to stand this morning. Let's stand. If you commit it to God's plan, I'm standing. <laughs> this is big, guys.
Now, Father God, this morning, like we sang in the beginning, more than silver, more than gold, we want to value you, Lord, this morning. More than earthly goods, more than earthly anything, Lord, more than our plans, Father. We want to say this morning that everything else pales in comparison to you. Father God, come and take your rightful place in our lives this morning. Come and reveal your plan for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, come and shape us. Come and move us. We are placing our plans in your hands this morning. Come and move us. Come and refocus, re-aim. Father, I want to pray for each and every one of us that we would take up the gift that you have given us to be to one another. That we would shape one another into the world that God has for, for each other, Lord. That we would be working together to fulfill each and every plan, every good work that you set out for us. Father, help us as leaders, Lord. Help us leading. And Father, I want to pray this morning for the, the people that we are following, the leaders that we are following, for, for Andrew, for Brad, for Jonathan, for, for Russell, for Kim Miller, Alan Miller. Yeah, Lord. Each one of the guys that we are following, that you've placed over us, Father, we would hear their words clearly. That we would follow their direction, Lord. Thank you for giving us godly men that we can follow. Yeah, Lord, help us to lead others in the same way as we are being led, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for, for persevering with us. Thank you that you work gently with us. Let you bring your soft rain. And this morning, Lord, we want to remove our umbrellas that keep you from, from reaching us. This morning, we want to commit to not running into our homes and, and fetching our own lives when your wave comes. But to get drenched in your, in your rain, to get moved by your wave. And to end up where you want to take us with your spirit. Yeah. Amen.